0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a fifteen hundred dollar first bet offer on your first wager. This is the Athletic Football Show.
1: Welcome to the Athletic Football Show. I'm Robert Mays. Joining me today it's a lot of people. (laughs) It is. (laughs) It is a athletic football show, Hogan John's crossover episode today. We are doing the ten most interesting teams of the offseason this week and I think you could make an argument that the Bears might be in the top spot, so this was the time to just blow the shit out of this. <laughs> Joining me today, three wonderful guests. First of all, my good friend, Nate hey, Tyson. Nate, hey, how you doing, buddy? Doing very well. Not, not three Bears
2: fans or people have, or, or Bears associated, but most most importantly, two badgers.
3: Oh, and that's oh, fuck yeah, off. Yeah. We got I the I fifth year. Separated. Yes.
2: <laughs> so that is where I am very happy. And that's where I fit in. And I get to claim my three year fandom of the Bears here. And kind of like, that I can nosedive on into this conversation with you guys so very excited for this show
3: though
1: also here today we got two adams johns who've cur- you covered the bears for how long Adam? since lovey smith jesus christ oh yeah yeah help me i know those days <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. your old man was there yeah, exactly
1: <laughs> also here today esteemed radio personality from chgo <laughs> and from the hogan johns podcast which if you are a bears fan you do not listen to i don't know what you're doing Adam Hoke, thanks for being here today, buddy.
4: Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm, I, I'm excited about this. I know our listeners have been excited about it all week. Got a couple so. of nice
1: tweets about yeah. it. Yeah,
2: I know. It's, it's 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 the off season is the Super Bowl for the Bears. Like that's what you guys gotten <laughs> used to the last few years, and that maybe felt like that too. Also, a special teams coach, by the way. Don't forget that, the yeah. Steam special teams coach I'm, as well.
4: Uh, yeah, as much as I'm here to cover the Bears at the combine, there's a couple things I try to pull out here and there too to were help. You here us for the a, kickers a, today, a car- yeah, I don't you know, think the kicker
1: availability at 8 a.m. Cause I, I, I saw you at 3 a.m. last night, so yeah. I assume you were not here for the kickers. No,
4: I I, I, I drew the line there. I mean, maybe if the, maybe if this was after the Cody Parkey year and the Bears like really needed a kicker, I would have been here. But I was like, yeah, I'm good.
1: <laughs> so I was gonna do a show at some point this spring where we just looked at what the Bears should do with the number one overall pick and talk through all of the potential options that they had. I was going to do that after free agency. Well, all of the scuttlebutt from the combine so far is they want to trade that pick way before free agency yes, starts. Do. So we got to knock the cap off this one and just do it now. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about all of the different options the Bears have with the number one pick at quarterback and what the ripple effects of. Of those decisions would be. Nate, we wanted to kind of channel what our combine conversations were onto this show, independent of whatever bears discourse there was going to be. The thing is, the most frequent conversation that I've had since I've been here is about the fucking bears. Yeah. So I might as well just package it all Mm -hmm. together. So one question that has come up consistently as I've stood in various bars around Indianapolis over the last three nights is people asking me, is it crazy for them to think about trading him? More on like a theoretical, big-picture level. I'll answer that first. I don't think it's crazy. and I, It's for this reason. Okay, it's, I think it's two or three different layers to it. The financial clock that you would reset by drafting a quarterback puts you on a more realistic timeline based on where the rest of your roster is. The conversation we were just having as we were looking at the salary cap and looking at the depth chart... It's hilarious how much this team is at square one. Mm -hmm. Cairo Santos has the sixth biggest cap hit on the entire team. The two biggest deals on the the roster right now are Eddie Jackson and Cody Whitehair, both of whom legitimately might be cap casualties on any other team in the NFL. This is a blank slate. By the time you're ready to compete, Justin Fields is going to be either in the last cheap year of his rookie deal or, more likely, on the fifth-year option. Mm -hmm. So if you reset that clock with a Bryce Young, whoever you just decide to draft, and you trade Justin Fields for draft capital, you get back on a more realistic timeline. I think that is probably the biggest argument for why you would do it if you're not sold on Justin Fields. I understand that you can poke holes in that. I don't really believe that, but I think that's the argument for it. Johns, as somebody who watches the building every day is there, knows the sentiment around Justin Fields yep. in that organization, why do you think that is not likely?
3: I think there's a feeling that Justin Fields, with everything he did this year, and I know a lot of his success was with his legs, but with his toughness, his leadership, being there every day after practice, throwing to Darnell Mooney to Chase Claypool when he arrived, that he's earned like that opportunity to play with better players, better receivers, to have some investment around him, starting on the offensive line, finding him better, like maybe a true number one on the trade market. Like he's earned that opportunity with everything he's done this past season.
1: You talk to the players, Hogal. I mean, you're there every day. What do they think about him? Like, what is the feeling around him in the locker room specifically?
4: Yeah. I mean, it's very, very positive. I mean, there's, there's players, there's the obvious ones like Darnell Mooney that you, you hear about the stories of them inside the Walter Payton center at 10 PM. Sometimes just still throwing routes. Um, You know, I know that those two uh, train with a lot of the same people kind of follow the same, um, workout habits and things like that and it, it's they they love Justin so I definitely think that sometimes I think that part's overblown like oh if we move on from this player it's going right. to rip up the locker room but this is a case where you would certainly have a lot of people scratching their head now the counterpoint to that is like what you just said about the who cares who, who who's yeah. in the locker room right. that, that really matters right. and like so the Darnell Mooney a Cole Komet you know maybe a couple of the younger offensive linemen that's all they got on
1: offense guys but, yeah <laughs> but I also think that well you have Jaquan Grisker who was drafted last yes. year if you have Cali Gordon you have your first draft class but I also think it's an outward message to the rest of the league you know this guy that was the most exciting player in the NFL for stretches last year, and you walked him cl- like crawl through blo- broken glass with yeah. the supporting cast that he had, yeah, we're just going to kick him out the door. Well, I think that says something to other people. And when you're trying to build a culture kind of brick by brick over time and you're in year two, pulling the rug out from under that guy who was everything about your franchise last season, I think there's some mixed messaging well, they, going on They there.
3: pulled the rug a lot last year. Robert Quinn Roquan Smith I mean yeah. these guys were emotional in the locker room I, yeah. I get it's not the same as quarterback
1: I, it's a good point though but, but
3: those guys were beloved teammates Yeah, yeah. Like, I, it's Roquan a good point. Smith was, was your best defensive player yeah. those were your two captains okay so let's move
1: beyond the cultural aspects then why wouldn't you draft one of these quarterbacks to the number overall pick Nate if you're not worried about what the impact on the locker room and the building is going to have to be and
2: well Speaking first, and what Fields did, especially getting comfortable with Luke Getz's offense, I thought the growth we all saw as a runner, but also like you could see some things clicking yeah. even with a terrible situation. I mean, I'm being, I know I'm a Fields fan, but being frank about the offensive line and pass catchers, but also in this class, and if you're just grading as prospects entering the league, Fields is, I, I think, a clear tier above any of these guys in this class. I do like all four of the top guys Levis, Richardson, Stroud, and Young, but I think when they were coming in as prospects those these guys are all kind of middle first round grades while Justin Fields to me was like a true top 5 guy and i think that's where you have to be really kind of keep that in perspective it's like our, oh this guy it's a it's the family guy joke it could be a you know a mystery box you know that could be yeah. anything it could be a boat and it's like that's the exact same yeah. thing this I mean, these guys could be Justin Fields and you're also looking at size and traits and you look at other guys like that i i think a, a player that i've come to compare his play style to is Daniel Jones with Justin Fields. People were talking about paying Daniel Jones $40 million. Justin Fields is already showing more pro, or more potential than Daniel Jones ever has. He's finally kind of come into his own this last year with good coaching and a good situation. Weird how that works. And also field now we want to Justin Fields as soon as he's shown that growth and he has way more room for growth than a lot of quarterbacks in this league. So it's I think that's what you're betting on. Also another thing, this is a kind of like one little kind of like side stat is that if you take a quarterback at number one he technically is making more money than Fields is the next two years yes the contract is longer for for them but he's technically making a couple million dollars more so that argument also kind of like for me is just like Much to do about nothing. The the
4: thing I get hung up on uh with the rookie contract argument, which I totally understand the logic of it, and and let's just be honest, Mike Tannenbaum has been one of these guys like really pushing that. We had him on our CHGO show today here at at the combine, and I said to him, I go, the the thing I never hear you mention though is you're resetting the developmental clock too. Though you're you're taking and granted the Bears kind of wasted a year with Fields, but you're taking you took everything that you. That Fields did show you this year, even if it's not everything you wanted, it's what he did around there to to make yes. it work. And you're just like throwing that out the window. And and I don't. Best case scenario, Bryce Young is everything you want him to be, right? But he's still a rookie next year, and yes. every rookie quarterback they take a year. Yeah. So in my opinion, you're really only gaining one year because you still have fields for three more under your control granted that fifth year option will cost you more money it's just it's not worth it to me to set that the because and that goes back to then well what did he show you this year and whatever that was which we all agree he got better this year yep. okay he did that with nothing around Correct.
1: him that that's impressive to me yep. here's the other argument if you take a quarterback number 1 the number one pick that we're all hoping Turns into seven more picks. Yeah. it's just the number one pick. Yes. yes. So you're dropping Bryce Young onto a team that needs three starters along the offensive line. Yep. If we're being generous, yep. probably another pass catching option that could be a true number one receiver and a defense that has three viable NFL starters. Yep. They don't have Maybe a defensive four? line, Robert. Yeah, <laughs> literally, they <laughs> need a whole new D-line. guys and yeah. four new backups. And if you're all the, we've spent so much time this week on this show talking about how so many of the teams in the top 10 are in a rare position to surround a young quarterback with more help than is typically given a young quarterback drafted in the top 10. If the Bears were to use the number one pick on a quarterback, that would not be the case. Even if you got something for Justin Fields, I do think you'd get less than you're probably going to get for the number one overall. Picks. Here's the
3: question I, I got a couple times down here. Like, what if a Joe Burrow-like prospect was there at number one? What if Trevor Lawrence was there at number one? That's a fun thing to talk about. Yeah. But the Bears aren't evaluating the draft class that way. Like, what if? Yeah. No. It's what if Bryce Young is the best player in the yep. in, 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 best quarterback? So it's a different situation for him. Yep. What the Bears have to consider is if trading back is their best scenario because they need more than one piece. Like, like you said, the answer it's just, it's just, is
1: absolutely yes. yes. Yeah. The, yes. The, answer, the answer, is one hundred percent yes. It was funny this uh, this week. uh we had a big meeting on Monday, a staff meeting. So I walk big in meeting. at <laughs> big meeting. I walk in at eight a.m. and multiple people are like, "Did you see the Schefter tweet? The Bears are open and shopping the number one pick." I was like, "Oh really? Oh wow! wow. <laughs> I, it's just it's shocking that they would be open to shopping the number one pick." So, John, I'm sure you've talked to people this week about this. What are your inklings about what that asking price looks like, I guess dependent on how far they'd have to go down. It
3: has to include a future one. If I'm the Bears, that's where I draw the line. With one exception. If they can get a good player in return, how now. good though? In which
4: position? well, like it, like hypothetically, if you're able to get like Brian Burns from the Panthers back, oh boy, uh, they're not doing that.
1: But <laughs> they're they're well, well, I'm, I'm, no,
2: I'm just I know you an can, example yep, 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 yep.
4: of. I think that I agree with you that they want yep. that future first rounder. But if there is a trade that you pull off early because you want to be like, hey, we're getting this guy before free agency because we want to know he's on our team and we don't have to go sign someone
3: someone else at that spot. I think that's the only exception. Well, that's why it's it's on the table to trade before the new league year, right? You're maybe getting. A player of significance with a significant contract coming back—that's why you do want to do that before the new league year, so yeah. you get your finances in order. But I just don't know what that market is for those players. God, I heard. Statement.
2: I was like. I, I probably got excited hearing that.
1: Like Brian Burns is a bear. I think the Panthers, Panthers are rated. justifiably think that they're close, and I think so too. So that roster is. I mean, I, pretty I think sweet. the Panthers are one of those teams that should be looking at the number yeah. one pick.
2: So I was going. I was going to say I've done their show. Uh, do did, did your guys show a couple hours? You know, impressive. Good for I'm you. I'm sorry. Yeah, you yeah, I know. I another podcast. He's my probably
4: are our our, our favorite. Like the the guests our listeners love the most that's because they I love just, his smile I just <laughs> gush, I just
2: gush about Justin Fields the whole time so people are like so this is true. great so so right. yeah just play to the crowd you know play the hits but uh, but the, uh, we were trying to kind of build out the plan initially you know the season had just ended they locked in a number one pick now and I, I said is there's a couple blue chip guys in this class and then there's a huge drop off I think and it's like but if they they need players yes. and they don't just ne- first they need viable starters just guys that are league average replacement level players but on top of that they need dudes like actual needle movers and that's where it's if you stay in that range and you get a first next year that would be amazing but like staying in that range where you can get some of these guys a lot of these guys are going to be moved a lot of the teams are going to move up for these quarterbacks it's, there's a lot of a lot of noise about it and that like there's a lot of these quarterbacks are interesting they have flaws but you talk to seven eight different teams they all have stacked differently And so, but that's good for the Bears because you just need two teams to like one guy. To get desperate. That's what. And that's what. To get aggressive. That's it. You just need two teams to like one guy. Or say, Houston really likes that guy and everyone gets a little little (laughs) antsy (laughs) as well. Well,
1: Also, you have teams at five and six that could potentially draft a quarterback. So if there are teams at seven, eight, and nine, all of whom need starting quarterbacks in the Raiders, the Falcons, and the Panthers, are they afraid that Detroit at six is going to take one of those guys if you just hang around? There are a lot of factors working in the Bears' favor. Uh, Little birdies the the price that i heard from outside the top 5 okay. is you're one this year, mm-hmm. a two this year, a first in 2024 and a first in 2025. Yeah. Okay. That it. sounds like a lot. But let's go back to the last time that a trade like this happened. The Niners are at 12 in the 2021 draft. They come up to 3. That trade includes a future first the following year and the year after that. So there is precedent for that sort of move. And it's the number one pick. Yes. You get your pick of the draft. You control the draft if you make this trade. So if I'm Ryan Poles, fuck yeah, that's where I'm starting these conversations. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So if it, let's say, four is a different asking price. I've thought about this two ways. I don't care how far they go down. I don't care Mm. because I don't think there is any single defensive player, be it Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, who we can get into, that moves the needle enough for me to – Value the player over multiple swings based on the state of the roster. All that matters to me is you come away with a ton of picks and at least a f- for future first-round pick next year. Because I 100% agree, they have to see the Justin Fields thing through. They mm-hmm. owe it to him and they owe it to everyone else to see the Justin Fields thing through. You have to give yourself an off-ramp if it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he's undeniably exciting. I want nothing more than for him to succeed. So
3: in this scenario. It's using that draft capital in 2024, 20, 2025, where maybe field struggles this season, but now you have options for 2024 is what you're saying. Yes. Yes, you have the multiple first-round picks, your own, and another bad team, who just traded up for the first overall pick and a quarterback. Right. Ability to
2: pivot. Yes. yes. And, and that's that's And it. that's team building. Yeah. And uh, that's guess what, what we found. Team building is about ability to pivot and go down different avenues at any time.
1: It's copycat league. Yeah. Teams often mimic the actions of teams that win a lot of of football games. Proof of concept. Sure. (laughs) Okay. The team that played in the Super Bowl this season did this exact thing last year. Mm -hmm. They were not Mm -hmm. sold on their quarterback, so they traded into next year's first round. They have two first-round picks in this year's Mm -hmm. draft and said, okay, we're going to throw a shitload of resources at our offense and our team in general. Sink or swim with the quarterback. If he doesn't develop the way that we want him to, we will be in a position to go get a quarterback. He developed hallelujah, you yeah. just have the 10th overall pick and you have a guy. So I think the Bears have to give themselves that same sort of flexibility moving forward.
4: And, and we've talked about the Eagles a lot on our show because, and, and we tend to do this in the media all the time, okay, here's a team where things are working, how yeah. do you do that? Like, But, but in this case, I, I really do think it's a relevant conversation for many different reasons. To me, the most important is Ian Cunningham came from the Eagles. Yeah. Okay, he was part of that what the Eagles have now. He helped build that. He's the Bears' assistant general manager now. So, that, That's great point. that context is literally in the Bears building. Yeah. And oh, he could have had the Arizona Cardinals job this year if he wanted it and turned it down. He's still there. Um, also, very
1: tall, by the way. Yeah, so I'm in the elevator, shockingly tall. Was not yeah. ready for that. He's a tall Ian. Yeah. He
4: is. Um, <laughs> uh, and then the other thing, too, is like J- Jalen Hurts is a good comp for what what Fields is now. Just turn on the tape. There's, I mean, there's a little bit different in, in the sizes, but no. really what they, what even the pivot the Eagles made a year ago mid-season is very similar to what the Bears did this year mid-season yes. with yes. Fields. There are a lot yes. of similarities. There, there's a lot of evidence actually right in front of our eyes that the Bears actually are following what the
1: Eagles have been doing, and it's very relevant to the conversation. Absolutely is. Yes. So and, the biggest concern that I have, mm-hmm. we talked about this a lot, what do you think Justin Fields' sack rate was My last God, season, I mean, Nate, Nate
2: was it 10.8?
1: Adam Johns. 15? Okay. Uh, 12. 14.7. Yeah, oh, I, I yeah, it, yeah, uh, <laughs> it is an astronomical <laughs> yeah, number. It is. Yeah. And we have a lot of data that suggests that how you handle and create pressure as a quarterback is a lot of you, mm-hmm. Stylistic how you mm-hmm. operate. That 147 15% number is something I cannot get out of my head mm-hmm. as I think about where he has to go. Because if you look at a Jalen Hurts, a Josh Allen, these other guys who have struggled and gotten better, a lot of the underlying metrics about how they play the position have been better. So, how do we build a case for how a better supporting cast can allow Justin Fields to overcome that shortcoming and the other ones he has? That, to me, starts with the trade down. You get this war chest of picks. Outside of potentially absorbing a player in that deal, I think you want to know how much draft capital you have because a second-round pick doesn't just have to become a second-round pick. A second-round pick can be Mike Evans. A second-round pick can be a million different things. So, Nate, if you're starting to build the right supporting cast for Justin Fields with the resources, which in this hypothetical, let's say, are an extra second, uh, an extra first next year, an extra first the year after that, plus the 10th overall pick, how are you building around Justin Fields over the next two months? Interior
2: linemen. Not even tackles, and I know we emphasize tackles, but fields and where he feels the most pressure and how he plays interior pressure is what messes him up. There's a lot of quarterbacks in general, actually, but I think that's what helps first and foremost. That's what's going to help him is interior line center plays got to be better.
1: And that like it's got such a great, such a great point. Taking
2: a load off him mentally. He, I've seen glimpses of fields handling a little bit more and protections and moving stuff. They're trying to work with him. Really early in the season, I could tell they're like hey, we're trying this, like, change the point, and they kind of went away with it a little bit. But he can handle a little bit by having a center that can take that load, a vet or a young guy. I, I, I always like the young guys, young quarterback, young center, kind of building that battery together. I, I've yeah. always just been a sucker for that. Um, but interior offensive line, I think, is the first and foremost thing. And on top of it, you need a ball winner. Um, uh, I, the Chase Claypool trade, we can say whatever it is, but he's a finesse receiver built like gigantic. He looks like a power forward, but he plays like a guard and that that's just how he plays and I think you look at him you're like oh they got that 6'4", 220 pound guy it's like he doesn't play like that uh, one of you, all of his highlights with the Steelers were catching horizontal routes catching jets and doing jet sweep stuff I mean remember his big game as a rookie when he had like three touchdowns it was all jet sweep stuff so I think they need a ball winner uh, they need several pass catchers though um, that can also knock down where Mooney's more in a, a role that works for him as opposed to eating 140 targets. He's more of a 190 to 100 target kind of guy. I think that's where you obviously need the help, but it, I need, they need a big receiver and I think they need interior line. And there's a couple guys in this draft that makes sense for if they say, you're saying back to nine. I, I don't want to butcher the guy's name again from Northwestern. I yes, uh, Skoroski. Yeah, but that guy to me is like, oh, that's nice because okay. it's yeah. another guy, and I, I brought this up before, is that there's questions that if he can stay at tackle, but he's a good player that you can slot in anywhere. So how else you fill out the team? That's a guy that makes sense to me as far as he can play either guard spot or maybe even right tackle. Okay, now we just find we get our best five out there in some way, shape, or form. They need a lot of help, especially on the offensive line. John where do you start?
3: I think separation, like at receiver. I don't think he trusted. His guys, you mentioned when like those contested catches. Like I don't think he just trusted. He he never took those risks to to continuously do that every single week to just trust the guys to be where they're supposed to be or when they're one on ones. So separation at receiver and to to your point, Robert, I I think the Bears have actually been pretty forthright in this in saying that Justin's got to learn to take the layups.
0: Yeah. He's got to learn to get the
3: ball out quicker. He's got to not hold on the ball so long. You know and wait for things don't for, have to be a hero yes yeah for that home run shot yep. um they've been pretty fair they've actually been pretty public about it too ryan poles the, the other day maddie yeah. yeah
4: i i agree uh i, I view o lines similarly i'm a build inside out guy so i i love the idea of, of fixing especially at center which has been a conversation you know for a few years now uh relentlessly but i i, I don't know if this is controversial i've talked about this before i, I I don't think the Bears' wide receiver group is as far away as people think it might be. Like, it's not a complete overhaul of the room. I just think they need, to what you just said, Johns, they need the one guy. Like, yep. the one guy that pushes yes. everybody else down. Yep. Because if you get that guy, Mooney's not a terrible two. No. No. Claypool can exist, you know, there yes. there is, like, your yes. third option. And it's the basketball lineup. Yes. Yeah, it's it's building it and, out. secretly, Valish Jones did some nice things at the end of the year. He did, actually, <laughs> And, and, and yes. so I'm not saying I'm like very hopeful about that but if he's your fourth or fifth guy in the wide receiver room you can still use him in ways where and we still saw this this year as a rookie as he was struggling when he came in the game defenses were like oh that guy's on the field that's the fast guy yeah. Yeah. So, so so it still can be used to your advantage so i i just think yes it's a big piece you're probably gonna spend money on it whatever it is and i'm not sure that guy's even available quite frankly in free agency so i don't know you got to get creative to find that guy but if you can it pushes everybody down and then don't forget, Cole Still pretty good pass catcher,
2: and too. I was literally just about to talk about the yeah. tight end room. This and I just wrote an article. It's coming out tomorrow on The Athletic. Ooh, Make sure cool. you check it out.
1: Okay, go go check that Jeez. out. Athletic.com uh, <laughs> slash football show.
2: The tight ends, it's a great class of tight ends. And you already have Komet, who's, who, who's a fine player, too. So if you get – now you have two tight ends. That gives you more versatility as an offense, and that could be the size that you need as a pass catcher. It doesn't just have to be a receiver now. just pass catchers. And I, I think – so that's an important point, too. Even though this receiver class is kind of a – kind of the smurfs uh there, there's a couple of guys with size but they're not kind of like you know Quinn johnson's interesting at perry i like from wake forest um as a day two guy but the tight end class is where you can find even if you're taking tight end four in this class that usually be a tight end one in every other draft class and so now you're pairing that with comet that's a weapon that's an advantage that you carry in every week so i also think like in on day two especially Especially if they get more picks, it's like, man, you could really take a swing and get a tight end and maybe another pass I catcher or
3: played like ninety seven percent of the offensive right. snaps this year. Give, give him some help. <laughs> yes, yeah, give him yeah. some help.
1: Like something. I'm totally with you on the number one receiver thing. So if we're taking this a step further and we're comparing it to the Eagles, going out and getting AJ Brown is more about having a talented player than AJ, like AJ Brown, on your roster. If we look at the success stories of quarterbacks over the last five to seven years in the NFL, the young guys who became good, some of them instantly were relevant. Justin Herbert, guys like that. But Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Tua to a certain extent, guys who got better than they were at Mm -hmm. a certain point. Every single one of those added a true number one receiver at some point along the way. Bills traded for Stephon Diggs. Mm -hmm. The Eagles traded for A.J. Brown. The Chiefs already had Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. The Dolphins traded for Tyreek Hill. Joe Burrow got Jamar Chase Justin Herbert Keenan was already on the roster yeah. mm-hmm. this, is a, this is about <laughs> more than having well even beyond like the the breadth of the receiver room mechanically when you have that number one guy and you are constructing plays you make that guy the number one receiver in the progression Correct. so when the quarterback is operating the first thing he's thinking about is I'm throwing it to the really good guy as the number one receiver in the progression trust is the biggest factor here mm-hmm. I trust that that guy is going to be open I can play faster So if we're trying to construct an argument for why that number can go down, it's more than about having a talented receiver on your team. Literally, the mechanics of the offense change when you trust that guy. So where does that guy come from? There are no real receivers available in free agency. We know that the draft class doesn't have that top five guy. If there's a Jamar Chase in this draft, I'm not going past five, but there isn't. Mm -hmm. I think that a guy like DeAndre Hopkins doesn't make sense for everyone. He makes sense for this team. You can't spend $100 million in free agency. Cap space is a weapon when you could absorb anything you right. want to. That's why the Chase Claypool trade was so frustrating to me. Because it's not, can we get a better receiver than Chase Claypool with the 33rd overall pick? The 33rd overall pick can become DeAndre Hopkins. Right. It can become Amari Cooper. It can become whoever that so version of casualty. it is this year. Yes. Yeah. So I think you have to be creative in how you're going to use that money. DeAndre Hopkins is one name. I'm calling the Bucks immediately they are 30 million dollars over the cap right now. Ryan Jensen just got an extension. He has only 10 million dollars left in dead money if he gets traded. There's your starting center oh my if you God, want to. That would it. be yeah. Mike Evans with an attitude
2: yeah that would be such a needle mover Mike Evans is in that same boat
1: they're not going to trade all of them but like these are the things that I'd be sniffing around on and that's why I want to know what picks I have so I can start kicking the tires on moves like that because that's the weaponry that you have it is the ability to take on any contract that a team doesn't want that's why flexibility is valuable yeah it's like the, the
2: Oswald or to the Browns like the Getting that other pick with it because they could absorb the contract. Well, it no.
1: follows the Eagles example
3: again, yeah. though, right? Trading for A.J. Brown. Yes. yes. And we've seen a number of Devontae Adams. Again, yeah. I, I, you just mentioned, um, who am I thinking of? Tyra Kelly. Tyra yeah. They were all traded.
2: Yeah. All traded. Well, then also, like going, you know, Trevor Lawrence improved a lot this year and even going from shit to average at receiver, above average. I, I got to give them the credit. But like, You get to see how much situation just being okay around lets these quarterbacks develop. Jalen Hurts wouldn't be Jalen Hurts right now if he wasn't allowed to operate from a clean pocket all the time and now throw to very talented receivers. Jalen Hurts did
1: improve. but He had a great situation to improve. You you, you stoke that confidence in such a real way when you put those guys around him.
2: Whatever game that was, I want to say it was the Washington game where we did the live show afterwards, and I think it's your profile picture now, and and (laughs) we were talking about it, and That was the thing is, even when Fields was trying to do the right thing, he wasn't able to, not from him, but from the situation. The pocket wasn't clean. The receivers were on the wrong route. Receivers not getting open. And he's, like, trying to get better, but he's like, I I can't. Like, he literally couldn't get get better in that situation. And so even just getting to average, you know, replacement level helps out so much. And
4: even then – he technically put him in position to win the game yes. at the end with yes. that crazy run he had. Yes. He threw multiple passes He should have been caught in the end zone
2: at the end. How many big runs did he have called back this year? It felt like you know, well, remember the one the, Minnesota, yeah, you know, like or, it, it's, or even the
4: one against the Eagles, which counted, but he stepped out like just barely right. before it was a touchdown. You know, I think, Robert, everything you just said, you, I, it's why I think that polls everything these GMs say down here in Indy, like there's something behind it. Oh yeah, I, I don't. He was. Prepared, ready, and in my opinion, eager to talk about making the trade sooner rather than later. I think there's something behind that because then when we had him on later, I was like, "Well, you're not going to do it this week, right?" And he's like, "No, basically because the medicals. We don't want you know yeah, any, yeah, anything absolutely. can happen. For all we know, he might have known about the Jalen Carter thing at that yeah. in in that moment where he was talking about it. But then he did. But then he said, "But it wouldn't be too long after this week if we went down that road." And I think it's just because like so some teams that need a quarterback right now in the draft might want that one pick because they control the draft. Well, I think in Ryan Poles' case, he wants as much draft capital as he can get right now so he can control all those things he you're talking about. Off and he control the offseason. That's exactly. why we're having this conversation he, 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 right now. He
2: sets the market. Yes. Like it's, yeah, I'll compare this to basketball, and I, I know that's terrible to do it by Will. Uh, last year, the Rudy Gobert trade to the to Timberwolves. They set the market, and it screwed up the Kevin Durant trade. <laughs> because Rudy Gobert is going for that, what's Kevin Durant going to go for? And it took six months, yada, yada. It ended up happening. The same thing, when you set the market, and yeah, sometimes it's a war chest that you're giving up or taking, it's like, but that's actually better because then you kind of get in first. You get to t- get into the test of waters before everyone else sets the market, and it really screws up the math for, every- for you.
1: Talk about Jalen Hurts and the development that he had. This is a number that I absolutely love. Over the first eight weeks of last season, They were facing man coverage, the Eagles. Jalen Hurts threw the ball to A.J. Brown on 38% of his routes. Go balls, Which was the second highest rate in the entire NFL. (laughs) That's what I mean by stoking confidence. When you can start to feel just more comfortable playing the position in your own decision-making, in how you're approaching the position, that's real. That that starts to build momentum for who you are as a quarterback, and they need that in whatever form it takes.
2: And this is with guys that we already – have anointed, and I mean this in a, a real way, but like a guy like, watch the Chargers offense this year with Justin Herbert when Mike Williams and Keenan Allen are out. Yes. Justin Herbert, I think, is a very a very we all think very good, well, I don't want to speak for you guys, but me, me and Robert <laughs> and a lot of us, very good quarterback, like going to be one of the guys, is one of the guys, really. Even at times you watch him, he's thrown to replacement DeAndre Carter, and he's thrown those on third downs, and it's like, that's Justin Herbert who's already shown again, proof of concept that he's already at that level and he's struggling. And he looks like where people are going, ah, oh, he's just average, see, we told you. It's like, yeah, well, everyone's hurt. You, you got DeAndre Carter playing 50 snaps for you, taking 10 targets. And I think that's where, even when situations where guys are like already established, situation matters. Yeah. Uh, offensive line receivers and play calling matters so much for these guys, much less a guy that's still a, kind of a project and still has room to uh, develop.
3: All the best quarterbacks had great situations. Yeah. Great help. Yeah. Right, Peyton Manning, we're in Indianapolis. He had some Hall of Fame wide receivers, two first round picks, a yeah. receiver,
2: <laughs> it helps, and a first round tight end, yeah. Dallas Clark. You know, that that really, and then they took another guy, uh, Gonzalez in the first round, and then a running back in uh, the Jim first James, round, first round, yeah, for all these guys, and then another running back, a uh, die in the first round. Yeah. So they had that, that, and the, he made the offensive line better because it's just how he played in their offense and everything. And he, so they could replacement level on those guys
1: Saturday's one, but like, same. All those receivers were first-round picks. Not second-rounders, not third-rounders. First-rounders. I was talking to somebody this week uh, with the Bengals just about their strategy and how they weaponized their rookie quarterback Mm -hmm. contract. And remember, we kind of scoffed at the way they built their defense. Two years ago, they came into the season with the most expensive defense in the league. I was like, man, how many real difference-makers do they have on that side of the ball? And There weren't that many, but they didn't have any weaknesses. right? right? They filled all those spots with starting-level players. And as I start to think about the broader Bears offseason plan with all of these resources, the offensive free agents, they don't really do much for you. You can find a starting right tackle, which they need. So I think there's an argument for doing that, whether it's Jawan Taylor or Taylor McGarry, whatever. These guys McGlinchey. are not elite Mike McGlinchey, guys mm-hmm. you can live with. But you look at the defensive side of the ball, and you have a Dalvin Tomlinson, a Jordan Poyer, Jimmy Ward, Von Bell, James Bradbury, Marcus oh, Peters. Oh, I love a Jimmy Ward with them. And it's just like <laughs> these guys that if you can find them for the right price, Peters being a good example. Peters had a really down year last year. If you can get Marcus Peters for the James Bradbury contract, which you probably can because he's hitting for agency, it's not late. But that's the places my mind would be. Mm-hmm. Maybe you have one splurge on like a Javon Hargrave type player you can find three or four starters on defense plus what you can do in the draft. So that's how it all starts to come together. I just think that you have to be as creative as possible with all of these different assets yep. that you have. One or two trades, a couple of signings, you figure out how you can keep trading down. You use that number one pick and all that cap space to truly control what the offseason is. Yep.
4: I think there's going to be at least one trade that invo- with, with draft capital that involves getting back a veteran player that's. I think so too. Because I, 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 I think, think there should be. I think we're learning, and this should be obvious, but we're, we we all know this that you know free agencies is fool's gold in many ways. There's yeah. a reason these guys are hitting the open exactly. market. So if you get them the year before, you're you're yeah. more likely that you're getting a player that you want to keep that yep. you never want to hit the open market. But I think that then goes back to an earlier trade, like getting getting the draft capital earlier so you can do that so it's not just all this you know one big number one pick moving back situation
2: you're signaling to everybody else yeah. what you got you're like hey look what we got now all right now we can work with this as there's no hypotheticals that and i know again i'm agreeing with you with the early trade but glenchy by the way is interesting because chris morgan being a shanahan guy the offensive line coach mm-hmm. so that's like an easy translation there at right tackle so it's like sorry but that name kind of was like oh yeah that actually kind of makes sense that right tackle for them
3: I like he, Hopkins. He, he'd be better than Riley Reef and uh, yeah. Larry Borm. I know <laughs> he wasn't perfect. This no, but, season, he's, but yes, he's talking 100. about
2: replacement level. Yeah. <laughs> That's what, I mean league average. He's at least that.
3: I like Hopkins, DeAndre
4: Hopkins, as an option because he's not going to cost you a ton. He's. Like even if he doesn't give you eighty catches, he does what Robert was talking about earlier. Like yeah. he he just his oh. presence on the field he tilts the field. Yes, is going yes. to help everyone he else. Gravity. Most importantly, Justin Fields. So with with the limited options that are out there and him not costing you, what was what what's that trade going to be? If this, I mean,
1: I'm offering the second. It does, yeah, second yeah, round. Okay, what I'm doing. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I would do that. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, think yeah. I would too. Oh absolutely. I think yeah. I would too. Absolutely. Because at a, at a certain point, you're gonna again. You need to use the cap space on guys <laughs> worth using the cap space. On. And also, yeah. just
2: just talking about Hopkins in particular is that he's he's already aged. Like it's not like his game is the speed. That it's like oh shit, I don't know how this guy's gonna enter his thirties. Yep. That's how he's
1: placed. He's played but, the same since look how, But like, look how he looked last season. When he he, he looks really good. And and he had him in the slot. They're moving him around. No, I know. This is one of those. I always why are guys available. Yeah. Why? Jadder Hopkins is available because the Cardinals are a fucking teardown. Yes. That's why he's available. Like, it's not hard to figure out.
4: Those are the situations you got to take advantage of. Yep. 100%. By the way, we're trying to move
2: some pieces
1: and stuff. We're trying to create connection points. Chris Morgan was in Atlanta when they drafted Caleb McGarry. He was the offensive line coach. yeah, yeah, that's right. So So, that one, (laughs) that's (laughs) for you guys when you start talking about (laughs) right tackle (laughs) options. Oh, man. We've spent so much time this offseason thinking, talking about Ryan Poles, Justin Fields. This is very weird. I spend an inordinately little amount of time thinking about the head coach of the Chicago Bears. <laughs> I don't. Maybe I, I, that's just kind of how it feels to me. So, as guys around year one of that regime, Johns, how would you characterize the job that Matt Eberflus did and the confidence that it instills in you potentially moving forward, or lack of confidence? Well, I,
3: I just want to go back to like the start of our conversation, and just in terms of like we were looking at the rosters now on their computers, like the Bears were purposely this bad. Yes, yes. Like I don't think Matt Eberflus wanted to field the worst pass-rushing defense in the league. There's no way he did. If you just hear him talk strategy, I mean, he he lights up when he talks football. When you want to talk about other things, you know. He's I, an I
1: engaging football like, yes, conversator. Yes, that is yes, very yes. true about yes. that.
3: And, and, and the Eagles had 70 sacks this year. The Bears had 20. All right, 20. It's one of the worst defensive lines in all of football. Still well, and the and three three guys teams.
4: who led the team in sacks were like your safeties and Roquan Smith who wasn't even on team half yeah, the year. That,
3: that that's a problem. <laughs> um so it like and everybody came back. Like Allen Williams came back. Usually with seasons like this, like there is some significant change and the Bears had one of the worst defenses and all their coaches came back. Mm-hmm. Everybody came back. Like everybody was in on being this bad, knowing how long this is gonna take. And like you almost want to acknowledge what Ryan Poles is trying to pull off here with Matthew Fleuse at his side. I have not covered anything like this, like no. since 2012. Like Phil Emery tried to win with Lovey Smith guys, yeah. like Jay Cutler, like Ryan Pace was stuck with Jay Cutler for two years because of that massive contract. This with Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus at his side is completely different. Completely different.
1: Right. The yeah. only part of the process so far on the poll side that I'm just like this is a mistake was a Claypool trade. Yeah. Okay. Yep. That's the only thing so far where it's like I even in the moment. I'm sitting there and just opportunity cost is flashing in my mind because (laughs) I know again that second round pick that you just traded it can be anything it can be a veteran on this market and it can be a veteran that's better than Chase Claypool so that's the only thing I come back to where it's like I want that one back other than that I think a lot of the other things they've done are justifiable and I think the process so far is justifiable
2: sometimes you wish he wouldn't pulls one say everything that he was thinking so but like I understand a lot of the thoughts I really do even the Ibraflus and I've I've been optimistic about him and Getzey. Like just from day one, I kind of was like, okay, this guy's a good coach. And the fact that he was like, I'm not calling plays right away, uh, that's always a good sign. Uh, that's, yeah. I'm learning that's a good sign. I love uh, that. But he, he, you watch what their defensive game plans, even with shit, especially at the end of the year. Watch him play against the Eagles. Yeah, people, the Chiefs stole part of that game plan because yeah. of how good it was. They were in it. Yeah. yeah, and honestly, that last touchdown uh, that Hurts put the game away on that QB draw play, it was. They had the perfect play. Brisker just got too antsy and hit the wrong hole. And I love Brisker; I, I think he's really good. If but uh, go- but the, I'm sorry, I'm just saying it's like I'm as far as coaches. Like I think they have a pretty good staff. That I think, will just give these guys some talent, and juice, and I could see them taking leaps uh, as far as a team.
3: If you go back early in the season when they had Robert Quinn and they were healthy, and you know Roquan Smith was fully engaged and trying to get that second contract, they weren't bad. No, for like they the weren't. First four weeks, they weren't. They ranked pretty well injuries took over you traded Robert Quinn you made that long term move but statistically they were there they were Mm -hmm. one of the better defenses in the league
4: it it, it was interesting too talking to um, players people with the Eagles both on and off the record at the Super Bowl and they were pretty unanimous like that was a tough game like that like they they you could say what you want about the talent but like they played a certain brand of football that was that was tough that was noticeable um and that was, again, late in the season. It yes. wasn't like earlier when everything yes. was going much better. That was still late in the year. So, yeah, those might not even be players that are, are back next year, but it's it's evidence that Matt Eberflus, who we still don't really know a whole lot about like as a head coach, but there, there is evidence there both on the tape, off the tape, that, they're going to play a brand and have an identity that, quite frankly, the Bears just never had during the Matt Nagy era. Well they didn't coached. have that
2: identity. Identity they, they, As a neutral observer and watching it, it's just they're well coached. And I know it didn't always, the results weren't great, but the process all made sense. And I know we're talking about team building and everything, but even just schematically X's and O's. And I've been on, uh, again, on your guys' show, on other shows, I've talked about Getsy. Was they asked, oh, why would they run the ball so
1: much? And all that's like, because they had to. Yeah, they, You protect yourself. They were actually good at it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And they were good at it. They were really good at it. But Luke, it was Luke like, Luke he came from the Pittsburgh, or Pittsburgh. Luke <laughs> came from the Green Bay Packers. I mean, they they run the ball a decent he amount. Have Pittsburgh connections, but that's so not what fun. they want to do. No. I mean, I, I think that it's the same thing. Like, the Eagles didn't want to run the ball 65% of the time no. in no. 2021. They
2: did it because it was the best option. They want to be in seven step drops and winging it. Like, yeah, I know, but he. Good coaches adapt to their personnel, and I, that's why I'm optimistic about what they what they've shown and what
1: they could potentially do down the road. Okay, just guys in the locker room. Do people like this coaching staff? Do the players feel energized about the guys in that building? Like you, you guys are around. I'm yeah. just curious what the vibe in the locker room is, even on a shitty team, yeah, deep into the season, about the guys in charge.
4: So I don't want to act like it's like completely. Roses, but I, I I know Johns and I share this opinion. It, it was it was almost weird how loose that locker room still was in the midst of. They're at the end of the season. They haven't. They literally ended on a ten game losing streak. I was amazed that you'd still go in there Wednesday of Week eighteen, and it's like you know, there's music and people are happy. There's no drama.
2: Everyone's hanging, there, a, there, hanging in the facility still. Like no one's trying to get out right, right away. There were a couple <laughs> exceptions. Uh,
4: Angela Blackson was <laughs> nowhere to be seen on locker room clean out there. You know, it, it, there, there were some exceptions, but it, you know, that, that was noticeable and, 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 and mattered to me on the, on the flip side, there was a couple comments here and there, like, and we actually saw it in that NFL PA survey. There were some complaints about how hard, uh, Fluce was running practices and oh. they got dinged for it at one point. They yeah. had it, they had a, they lost
2: a practice. I was be- there in camp, remember, yeah, right? And it was just kind of, uh, I mean, we talked about it in camp. It was like, I mean, pra- there was no wasted seconds in no. practice. It was like, you're going to this drill, we're doing this, you're going to this drill, we're doing this. And they, like you could tell, it was palpable. Like, I wonder if he backs off a little because if you talk to guys that played under
4: Lovie Smith. They they will tell you that Lovey almost overdid it his first year.
2: A lot, a lot of coaches lot do, do, yeah. do it. Yeah. And and, he, and, and Sean Payton got... was like that. My dad was like that. Uh, Dan Campbell <laughs> well, was like that.
3: To, like he started to back off because he started getting better players. Yeah.
2: That helps. Right. and like like started a, winning too
1: right. in year two. That, uh, yeah. yeah. I, that also I, that a so. lot of coaches have done that in year one because you establish a tone, you establish an expectation, and then you start listening to your players a little bit more and what they need. And I think I
3: almost wonder though if he has to do it maybe one more year because. Going to be so much turnover, turnover. like yeah. we were saying. they could to add so many guys, mm. so many guys. I know. Yeah.
4: I know there were a couple guys too that that wish there was a little bit more communication about where they stood. Gotcha.
3: I think that goes on yep. polls
4: a little bit too. We heard that from Tevin Jenkins in camp when he was just kind yeah, of floating in the yeah. wind. Yeah. And am I yeah. going to get traded? Yeah. It's like, can someone just pull this guy into an office and tell him what's going on? that would yeah. be nice. And so they eventually did, and they did. Um, but I think that also was with with Irofus. I heard from a couple guys that were just like during the year, like. You know, they want to know where they stand sometimes. Yeah, and, I, and that can be dangerous. You, you know,
1: you, you can't do that with everyone on the roster. But there are certain times where you got to have those conversations. Yeah. I think that comes with time and confidence. Yeah. Speaking of that, somebody who is famously transparent with his players, Mike Tomlin, will really tell you where you stand in front of the entire team. Also someone who was brutal in year one, oh, like sure. famously brutal in some of those practices, full pads all the time. That was a veteran team. yeah. So I think that there can be a trend with some of these guys who have found a lot of success. They're marking their territory a little yeah. bit.
2: <laughs> They're kind of showing who's boss a little bit. I get it. I totally get it. Especially uh, a tear down like that. You you can't ask later to be like, oh, okay, let's yeah. turn it up now. Yep. It's yeah. easier to take away and make it easier than point. make it harder as, you, as time goes on.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone?
3: if you're like me you believe there needs to be more stylish functional business casual men's wear that is both high quality and durable that can withstand your day i'm talking about maybe hanging out in the press box watching the game later with your friends, maybe get a quick nine holes in. That's why men's closets were due for a radical reinvention and Roan stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter collection is the most comfortable, breathable, and truly versatile set of products known to man. They have products for every occasion. We're talking about the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, polos, and blazers. They look great as individual pieces, Head to Roan.com slash Adam and use promo code Adam to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to R-H-O-N-E dot com slash Adam and use code Adam. It's time to find
0: your corner office comfort. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, Determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
1: All right, you guys think about the Bears 27 hours a day. Anything else we should be thinking about that we're not right now? Johns?
3: I just think maybe to, to further this discussion, like before we... And the show, like, if you're building around Justin Fields, and say he struggles in 2023, that structure, maybe it's, uh, you know, Peter Skronsky or better receivers, like, that's there for the next quarterback. Of now course. Too, should yes. you have to – I forget who used the word pivot. Should you pivot, have pivot, to pivot? Yep. And I feel like Ryan Poles tries to play that long-term game a lot where he's thinking – he's trying to think two moves ahead with this. like this, this is part of it. This is part of what makes this such a unique opportunity for him because he has this first pick and he can turn it into the long game yeah. with 2024 draft capital, 2025 draft capital if he goes back further. The one thing I have is uh, I know it. It
4: any GM would love to be in this position. Number one pick, all the cap space in the world. The one thing that I do think the Bears have to be careful, and we kind of touched on this, is they literally have to spend money. They have yeah. to get to a floor. And... As, so I think that goes back to really how they end up structuring these contracts. They have to be careful. Um, I always think back to, I think it might have been Ryan Pace's first or second free agent class. Uh, like f- all five of those main guys that showed up to is the press this conference.
3: Sims, is Deion Sims? This is Mike Lennon. This is Mike
1: Marcus Mike Lennon. Yep. Yeah. That was that whole crew. Yep. And,
3: and it was like, in hindsight, it was
4: a terrible group. I think they kind of knew at the time, though. And other than the Glennon contract, if that was the same year, I'm not, I think it, it, was, was, it was. was the same year. Other yeah, it was. than that one, it didn't really cost them anything. They were able to get rid of all those guys. It didn't cost them anything. There was no dead money attached. Yeah. So I it they, they gotta be careful. They also have to be creative. I my po- I guess my overall oh, yeah. point Are is. Are you ready? But Are don't, you be, ready? don't be don't okay. be pock poc This It's harder than it sounds, is yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Ryan, Poles, here. Ryan Poles has to be creative. The, yes. Well all that's right.
2: where I mean, real quick, that's where I just complimented the Jags going from shit to average or above average. It's like but some of those there's like you said, there's opportunity costs sometimes where yes. it's like, Oh that but you're because yeah. now you have that, you can't do this. And mm-hmm. that's where you don't want don't to- You just wanna... can't
1: cut off pathways for yourself. No. That's right. the most important thing. Avenues. And if we're talking about getting to that floor- that's why a, veteran, a couple of veteran contracts with $17, $18 million base salaries. If you're Johnny Hopkins, $13 million for Ryan Jensen. However, you get there. Love the, it. Okay. The Jensen okay. thing is like, oh my God. I'm um, seeing. I always I up with the good that ones. Was, that is a real good one. Okay. So, three, four, three years, 45 for Mike Lennon. This is 2017. Three years, 45 for Mike Lennon. Three for 18 for Dion Sims. Three for 16 for Marcus Cooper. Remember Marcus oh, Cooper? Oh, wow. God. Okay. Wow. That's, that, a, that's a blast back. from the yeah. past. Yeah. So, two more. Quentin Demps 3 for 13 and a half, uh, safety. And then Marcus Wheaton 2 for 11. Hell yeah. Wow. Okay. Wow. How many how many catches do you think Marcus Wheaton had as Oh, he was Chicago hurt bear? for like the, the yeah. almost the entire season. Okay. Marcus Wheaton has a 3. Th- had 3 receptions <laughs> on 17 <laughs> <laughs> targets. Okay. 3 on 17 targets. That? that is a 17.6% catch That's rate. That's like hard to do. My, my
2: favorite
4: thing about Marcus Wheaton we're getting on a tangent here but no, I love he, it. he was hurt like all at training camp this was probably the last year we were allowed oh, We going were going allowed to this, stand yeah. like right on the sideline yeah, during yeah, training handbags yeah. he would just come over and just like hang out with us in the middle of practice and like talk he was like he, he, he was, was very on it. the back was he, <laughs> he like like as as most, by us all I, he was the most <laughs> friendly player who we were all like you are just probably not gonna matter but I like
1: that you're nice <laughs> yeah, so, so, <laughs> I mean he made six million dollars guaranteed yep. I'd be in a good mood too yeah
2: he knew. That's so funny. Those are the stories about Barry Switzer that during practice you just hang out with the media the whole time with the Cowboys because he's like, team runs itself. Yeah. This is easy. Foxy would do a little bit of that, too. Oh, yeah. I'm
4: he sure. would come over during warm-ups all the time and just and just shoot the shit. We'll and, love it. Yeah.
2: Especially at that stage. Stories. Uh.
1: Foxy
2: stories.
1: Adam Adam, Hogan Johns, this is fun as hell. It was. We do this again sometime. Sincerely appreciate the time. Hopefully you guys' as listeners on your feed aren't too annoyed that No, no, they're excited
4: about it. You stole your show here for for a day. No, no, I like it. It it was a little bit easier on me. I
2: appreciate
1: it. (laughs) That's what I'm here to do. Thanks for
2: letting me be the Ringo star here, guys. This was great. Love you, buddy. (laughs) All right,
1: guys, thank you very much. Thank you for listening. If you have not subscribed to the Hogan Johns podcast, please go check that out. If you are not listening to Hogan's work on CHGO, please also go listen to that. Tons of fantastic Bears coverage out there. If you haven't subscribed to The Athletic, where you can read Adam Johns' work, I don't know what you're doing. Theathletic.com slash football show is where that is possible. Please rate and review this podcast. If If you like the show, we're in year three now. If you have enjoyed it, go leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Go tell us you like the show. It would mean a lot to me. I would consider it a personal favor if you took the time to do that. As always, we sincerely appreciate you guys listening. We have a fun show on Monday. Me and Dane are gonna recap the combine. Oh, hell yeah. It cool. is Dane Brugler's season. Oh my god. So I am very excited to chat with Dane. It is gonna be essentially on the exact opposite poles of how much you can know about the 2023 draft. Me and Dane That's talk perfect. on Sunday night. So I'm gonna be the right host because I can really play stupid and not have to play it up. So that is coming your way on Monday. In the meantime. Please enjoy your weekend. That is our last show from Indianapolis. It has been a very fun week. I am very old and tired, but we will talk to you guys. Very soon.
3: The Packers, Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers, Gold Bears.